Hello. 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 There it is. <laughs> We've got it. We've got it. We have Tim Chan. Uh, it's a Tim, real honor welcome. to to be here. Gosh, and it's good to see your faces. Really good to see. You know, I was just thinking that when I saw saw you, like we've done a lot of phone talking, and even the Zoom, it's such a small box. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, it feels more intimate in this situation, so it's kind of definitely nice to have that. It's been a while. Yeah. Um. So. So Tim. Yeah. Here you are. Here I am. You bought a headset. Just for this podcast, I did, which says a lot about who you are. Which says everything about who you are in some ways. Not everything. Which says you're right. A lot about who you are. Who are you? Um, that's a good question. That's still evolving. I mean, when we dive into it, there's so much that's happened in my life the past few years that, um. I think that's part of what I'm learning and that makes between the years so valuable to me because that's always evolving and just being present with that and working with that and understanding that who you are is new and fresh every day um, and as a new opportunity. So I think it's important. And one of the things that I take away from doing between the years practice is that it's a every day is a new opportunity and who you are is just who you are in that present moment and who I am is going to evolve and change. Like one minute I'm going to be just an asshole cause I'm either pissed off, whatever, but that's not who I am. It's who I am in that moment. Or maybe in another moment I'm, I'm happy and friendly in other moments I'm sad and I'm grieving, but I feel like being present and allowing that to move through me with awareness and consciousness is part of the benefit of between the ears and, and understanding that body, mind, emotion, mindset, all of that come together to form um, that who you talk about, which I think is really, you know, for people who haven't done between the ears is just this whole other dimension that I think not a lot of people are really talking about. I think a lot of people are focusing a lot on why, and mm. there's nothing wrong with understanding your why, but I think going down to the who, which is something you started in 2020 at one of the the calls, the Zoom calls, was, I think, for me, really uh, groundbreaking. Mm. I've seen you I've seen you embody that duality of maybe not duality but that changing who you are you mm -hmm. know on like for example on one hand and you've you've anybody who was fortunate to be on any between years practice call with you felt saw heard um vulnerability and strength, humor and sorrow, um, inspiration and I'm in the fight with you. Like there's, there's that up and down, that dynamic changing who, not just one 
kind of flat line, never changing kind of plastic component, if that makes sense. And that's something I think in, I think that's something that is when people try to answer the question, who am I? I think that's right away valuable for folks to know that that is not a singular thing, you know, and, and I don't, I think you're one of the people who have I, uh, we've been fortunate to, you know, truly get to know and connect with who embodies that of who, who, who just embodies that. And, and thank you for right away at, you know, four minutes in giving people an invitation to, to understand that, you know, who you are is not a, it's, it, 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 it's not something that perhaps is going to be the same. It's not a fixed thing. <clears throat> no, it's not a fixed thing. And I think that understanding that and being okay with it is part of overcoming what, what is messaged so often in the media and society, like you see commercials for antidepressants and people are running through fields and flowers and smiling all the time. And it's like, well, is that really, is that really who I am? Is that really what is real? Like that is sometimes I might be prancing around in a field of flowers, but that that's not all the time. And I think that, and, and that's not a, that's not to say that anybody who's on antidepressants or something for for whatever condition you have that's that's fine i think just for me personally diving into understanding this sort of range of my life experience and um getting to know both of you over the years how that's evolved and changed like i feel like all of us all three of us are definitely not the people that we were you know, eight, 10 years ago, like, yeah, I, I just, but there's been a consistency there and a deep trust. And um, I think one of the things that we probably should backtrack on is how Kariana and I got to know each other as we both worked for CrossFit. Definitely pre, pre-BTE. Very much pre-between the ears. Um, and I think what's interesting is our relationship, Kariana and, and and I worked for CrossFit and we worked specifically um, for the Dave Castro. And there's something about working at that level and for someone of that caliber, intensity, expectation. Again, great work experience. I would not change a thing about working working at CrossFit and everything that I, I experienced, um, wouldn't change a thing about it. Um, but one of the things that Kariana and I had early on was a tremendous trust and understanding that working together on a project, whether it was the games or regional that we had each other's backs. And the, the one thing that jumps out at me is that a regional Kariana had to go to the bathroom (laughs) Which might seem like a silly thing, but there's no nobody cares about you needing to go to the bathroom. No. Like I know. Like we were one step away from wearing like adult diapers. So she literally runs up to me, she hands me Dave's phone and backpack and says, I have to go to the bathroom. I'm like, go. I grab the phone, I grab his backpack, and I instantly know 
from working around that environment that the reason she handed it to me and that she trusts that she can hand that off to me is that I know that the minute she goes to the bathroom, Dave's going to want something either from his backpack or he's going to be looking for his phone. He's going to look for her. She's not going to be there. And if somebody isn't covering, he'll be like, what happened? (laughs) So I grab the phone, I grab the backpack and I just have eyes on him and I wait till she gets back. And when she comes back, there's a handoff, but that trust, like she knows, I know, we both know what the expectation is that there's a level, even as as small as it might seem like going to the bathroom, but that we're covered, we know what's expected, we're on it. And the two of us have been like that for years, kind of like this headset. It's like, you're always thinking and preparing to take things to the nth degree, which I love. It's stressful sometimes, but it brings your level of work ethic and preparedness to another level. You have to. You can't just. You can't just um, that strive that you know focus on excellence. That sort of CrossFit philosophy of, you know, markets are largely unknown, but excellence is obvious to everyone. That push and drive for excellence is instilled in us. I still think even to this day, I always think like, what would take this to the next level? What would make this better? What would make this excellent? And it's just doing that every day. And so it's like, get the headset, make sure the audio is as best as it can be. Um, have a light, make sure you're lit properly, try and focus on the green dot on your computer so that you're looking at the screen and not looking down. Like there's all kinds of things that in my brain I'm constantly thinking. And it's almost like a a psychic workspace that Kariana and I shared whenever we were doing events. Like we wouldn't have to say very much to each other. We would just be able to look at each other and understand. And it's, it's also similar to working around the team we worked around and also being able to hold confidence. Um, like we were around the situation room, highly confidential information, and we just had to do our work and keep our mouth shut. And that was just what we did for years, (laughs) for years. And there was a lot of, um, yeah, there was that support in knowing you could let off some steam. And like I said, the trust is huge because you can't just share things with anybody and being able to have that moment of like frustration and then move on with, with the day. So that, yeah, that was, um, seems like another lifetime ago. Um, but it was, I guess it was at the hope we did a fundraiser for, um, the St. Jude, was it St. Jude? Yeah. Children's hospital in Washington, DC. Right. And so he had done a work. We, that was an event. And that's, I think when you met, I guess you met Bill then. I met Bill then, but Bill at that time was still in the army. And so, so it was intermittent. And I also had the chance to, to go to Montana when, Bill wasn't there and when Bill was there. So it was interesting to see that interplay of when he was there and when he wasn't there and seeing you handle everything when he wasn't there completely on your own, running the gym, packing your suitcase, handling 
CrossFit responsibilities, affiliate responsibilities. And again, I think that there's just, you know, that history, that observation that somebody is almost like your living diary that I can say, yeah, I saw you do all that. And I saw you handle a lot of crap on your own. I also saw you get a lot of support too. And so I feel like that, that's also one of those, those times where I really treasure those intermittent times we'd see each other at events or we're in Montana and we're riding in, in a Jeep and a song comes on. Like, yeah, I just feel like that was, that was that song that you played. It was home. Yeah. And it was, um, what was his name? Something with a D he was in charge of young guy was Dolan. the schools in Africa. Yeah. Dolan. Dolan. We were in Dolan's Jeep. And we went she- and got pizza after everybody left. So that was, yeah. Every time that song comes on, <clears throat> I think of that because it was quite amazing views in Montana. It's, for sure. it's one of those takeaways. Like there's a book, I think it's called Generation X. And in the book, one of the comments is, you know, what names something, what's your takeaway? And the takeaway is something in your life that lets you know you really lived. And it can't be, it's like, it's not some shallow superficial thing. She uses like going on elephant rides in India or something like, what is your real takeaway? And in the book, the character who answers the question of what her takeaway was, was snow. And so sometimes I look back on my life and that moment being in a car in Montana, the view, the song, the music, that's a big takeaway for me. Like it, yeah. it won't ever leave me because like the world was perfect then. Mm. You yeah, know, it was like a moment just hanging in time with a yeah. feeling. Yeah. The view, the Jeep, the mountains, the song, like it just, yeah, that's, that's like one of my takeaways. Like I'll always remember that. Very much so. And I also remember when Bill proposed to you, it was on the mountain. In Montana. Yeah. Yeah. You came back with a ring. We're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Amidst all the CrossFit crazy we it was it was some awesome, moments. Though. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was um that was awesome. So the the real like sort of I feel like where you transitioned into the between the ears world, I remember we you know, I do feel like we had sort of our own yeah, mindset or whatever you want to call it that was a little bit probably unique. And that's why we forged this relationship compared to maybe the rest of the team in CrossFit. Um, and we had gotten to Madison a little early and I wanted to go take a yoga class. And of course, nobody else does yoga. So we connected and went and took a class. Um and just had a really, you know, I remember introducing to you, I thought, you know, I think Tim would really get it, get the between the ears um, concepts and just, you know, respond really well to it. And so I started telling you about what Bill was doing and and that was really at the pretty early stages. He didn't really even have anything online, I don't think, at the time or maybe just starting. Yeah, it was um, really early. I remember you had talked about it, but it hadn't been really formalized. It hadn't been really put out there, but you had mentioned it to me. And I always remember that. And I remember that moment we took a yoga class and we, we were kind of like the, the calm before the storm mm-hmm. of the games. Um, but that never left my mind. Right. 
uh, and then I think that I started seeing Bill's um, launch and information about the Between the Ears. But at that time, they were the engagements and they were at, in your, in your state. Yeah, in person yeah. in your area. And I live right. on the West Coast. So that I paid attention to and would watch that stuff happening. Um, and when he went virtual with 1.0, and I always talk about like this strange timing of between the ears because 1.0 launched around the time I was let go from CrossFit and there was all the changes and transitions going on. And so that was, I was like, right after that games, like yeah. immediately after. Yeah. Yeah. And so I thought, okay, I, I felt like that was an opportunity to the best opportunity. It's like, Hey, a huge change in your life has occurred. And I had to really figure out like, who am I? Because so much of like, when you worked for CrossFit at that time, like that was such an all consuming thing. It was 24 seven. And I was the press and media contact for CrossFit. So I was always there with my phone in case something was there. It was just like, it was such a huge part of my life and suddenly it wasn't. And so I decided to sign up for 1.0 and begin between the ears 1.0 and really found a lot of value in it. And what I loved and love about between the ears, and I encourage anybody who has a fitness background, whether it's CrossFit or not, but in particular, if you've done CrossFit, CrossFit's like that Swiss army knife. It's functional, has all these different things, all these different movements, and you can do all these different things with it. But between the ears, it's like, hey, did you know that your knife can do this? And it flips open something. You're like, wow. Or, hey, did you know that you could use this to do this? And it's it's taking an existing tool, an existing thing you have in your pocket and just giving you so much more that you can do with it. Mm. Um, another example is if you have a smartphone and you've been using it for a long time and a friend comes over and says, hey, did you know you can do this? And they show you some little trick on it. And you're like, oh my mm -hmm. God, <laughs> it makes a world of difference. You're like, oh right. wow, I can do that. And so for me, between the ears was like that. It's like I had this foundation. I had this huge tool chest of of experience and movement and training. And between the ears took that and said, hey, did you know you can do this? And you can do this and you can do this. It's like, oh, wow, my, my whole mind opened up to so much. And it really helped. Did you feel, so obviously, you know, CrossFit was what you did, your job 24 seven, there was an expectation of being on from a, from a work, you know, from a work perspective, but when you lost your job and, you know, only I'm not, you know, um, suggesting this just because I felt like it, but that la that loss of when you talk about who you are, I mean, did that connect to something deeper? I mean, that group, I felt often like you were part of this family. Um, we're always going to take care of you. We're part of this thing. And then to be cut out, it definitely, for me, my experience of leaving CrossFit really challenged my who, 
like my identity, who am I without these people, without being part of this, without um, not just the work, but on a deeper level. I mean, did you feel that? Absolutely. Absolutely felt that. Um, And I feel grateful that I was able to experience that early on. Like a lot of the people, my friends, and I still consider everyone that I worked with still, I still feel connected to them. Mm -hmm. The relationship is, is just in a different place, but I do feel like the, the beauty and the time I took away to get to know myself outside of CrossFit and coming back to CrossFit and doing the open and doing these challenges and things again has really, um, showed me that, you know, it's a way of, you know, integrating something in your life that works for you and that you're in charge of that. Like, this is your life and things are going to happen. Things are going to change. And it's up to you to determine how, how do you want it to be for you? Not how somebody else has defined it, but how do you want it to work for you and how do you make it work for you? Mm. And that you owe it to yourself to take care of you to make it work for you. So even that time, I took time off from CrossFit and I'll actually come out of the pole closet on between the ears here. But like people who really are close to me, my inner circle know that I took a break from CrossFit and I jumped into pole fitness with a friend of mine. Cause she's like, you know, it was like emotional cutting too much when I was trying to work out in CrossFit. So I'm like, I need to take a break from this do some, find some other fitness thing. Mm-hmm. And so my friend's like, Hey, come to my pole class. I was like, ah, ha, ha. I'm like, all right. So I go there and I have my ass handed to me by a bunch of half naked ladies. They kicked my ass in 10 minutes. I was dying. And I thought, Oh my God, I thought it was fit. It's kind of like the first time you do CrossFit and you think you're fit and you know you're not fit. And then somebody takes you outside your bubble and you're like, I'm not fit. I can't like, I was not fit. (laughs) So um, I took that year, year and a half to like really jump into something that one, I was not good at. Two, that hurt. It hurt so bad. I was bruised. I was in a lot of pain. Um, had to learn. It was amazing to see, uh, you know, how, when you say like you dove into it, I think it's easy for people to say, oh yeah, I started this thing, but to see your progress, like you committed to like the craft, the art, the everything about that. And I, so you gifted me a gift certificate. Um, and you know, we have a local studio and I went and it was a really, amazing experience. And I will continue to, I don't, in many ways, I'm like, not sure I was ready for it. Um, so it's like a strange thing that I have to still work through. Um, but it would be, it it would definitely be easy for someone to say like, wow, that's just so out of my reach. Like, yeah. I mean, cause I tried one thing and I'm like, wow, this feels like someone's just giving me a, like a, like a burn on my arm or <laughs> pinching yeah. my thigh. Like why, you know, this is horrible. Um, so it really was inspiring and, and, you know, just impressive to see how much you committed to it and then to see your progress. Cause it's always easy to see someone at the end and say like, Oh, like they make it look so easy. And, but we really got to be part of that journey. Yeah. For you, which is Thank awesome. you. And it's funny because there's elements of CrossFit that, 
get touched on in pole fitness, like virtuosity, doing the common uncommonly well. It's like, yeah, spin around the pole. (laughs) That sounds really easy. That sounds very Mm -hmm. common. But to do it and make it look easy and or graceful or beautiful, you have to do it over and over and over and over again. And it seems really silly, but... I feel like I really got dialed in and and uh, experienced things like virtuosity in that realm of fitness, pointing your toes, really following the line, like just doing things that are very you know common and making it look quote unquote easy is a lot of hard work. Well, it's a different way of experiencing your body too. Like it's such a, it's a very hard, I'm not saying it's soft, but like, it's just such a different way of moving and and being in your body. Like that's just different from CrossFit. Yeah, very much so. Um, But what I loved about my CrossFit experience is that 80-20 rule. Like if you do CrossFit, your functionality, your capacity to do different sports and different things translates. Um. I think that helped me throughout my journey and uh, it's been, it's been incredible. It's also been interesting to become a part of another community that is kind of very much like how CrossFit was in the early days. Lots of zero fucks given, excuse my French. I try not to swear too much, but like a lot of people in that community have to be really strong about their who not care what other people think Um, It's very underground. It's not a very like out there thing, uh, which kind of reminded me a lot of CrossFit in the early days when everybody thought we were wackadoos. And now everyone's doing some kind of derivative or form of CrossFit and calling it something different, whether it's high intensity interval training or whatever. But there's a, there's just an, I, I, I feel that there is a, emotional release uh, that happens during pole. And I've never done pole, so I can't, you know, obviously share firsthand, but it's almost like there's this authenticity and vulnerability, perhaps by the lack of clothing, but I think that's low hanging fruit in, in, in many ways. But that, that documentary on Netflix floating around now that I understand is, um, What's the name of the documentary, Tim? Uh, Strip Down Strip Rise Down. Out, I think Strip is Down the name Out. of it. Yeah. It's gotten different reviews, and people in the poll community have had different reactions to it. Right. Um, and I think that... Yeah, no, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, you know, the the anybody who hears polls, okay, whatever. There's like the low-hanging obvious fruit of, you know, by virtue of like what the sport demands and requires there's going to be you're not going to be doing it in a hoodie and, and and whatever but there's deeper like the surface of not much clothes you know the half naked ladies kicking your ass like that's just the surface the internal the the liberation and the freedom of expression and of showing up as you are from a place of internal just you open the you open that wide and 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 express it in a way that um, there's an artist, there's an artistic expression to the actual movement 
that that is captivating. And I remember when I was out in San Diego at your place um, last January, mm-hmm. we were watching some videos, and I was like, "You were showing me some some poll videos," and I was it was the first I had seen the uh, um, butterfly gal. Mm-hmm. Before Jen A, because she has a a, a routine to uh, Florence and Machine, dog days are over. That just like again was riveting. But then knowing you and talking with you and, and having that, there was it was captivating and it was very visceral and it was emotional in such that this was somebody giving you a glimpse into perhaps who they are that you'll never see, mm-hmm. that words cannot articulate, but that physical movement connects with you on a level far deeper than you got a, a, a you know, you got a nine out of nine or, or a nine out of 10. Like you think of gymnastics or, you know, even athletics or sports or whatever. And it's like, what was the result of that action? But in pole, it, there is no possible metric to measure. Sure. They have competitions and stuff, but it's just amazing to see that, to see how that mo- expression of movement and when we talk about like emotional fitness and the body and the mind and the spirit being connected, you know, I think pole is something that is amazing to to deliver that to, to, to four people and two people. I think that, and I can only speak from my experience in the studio, but from my experience from the women that are my friends that I've come to really, like they showed up for me in so many ways. They're amazing people, amazing, strong women, all different shapes, sizes, ethnicities. Um, You know, first and foremost, what's interesting about setting foot in a pole studio for a lot of women, and I think they touch on that, is that society, at least here in the U.S. and in the West, there's a lot of oppression, a lot of you know, women aren't supposed to touch themselves. Women aren't supposed to expose themselves. Women have to cover up. Women aren't supposed to be sexual. Women aren't supposed to be whatever. All these not-tos. Being in a space that allows them to be that and explore that in a safe environment or in a way where other women support them and don't slut-shame them or anything like that, is is an empowering place to be. Not to say that there isn't drama and stuff that occurs in a pole studio, like any gym, whatever. But for the most part, there's this real interesting strength and emotional intelligence that I've recognized and experienced in my the pole community here that I'm in that I really value and appreciate. And... Um, it's given me a chance to really see a whole nother side. And one of the jokes early on when I started working out at CrossFit SoCal, they jokingly, my nickname was Switzerland because I had the ability to like hang out with the guys, shoot guns, talk about cars, work out, Oli lift, all this stuff. But I could also hang out with the women in the gym and there was a couple that got married from there and they went to Vegas and they, the guys had the bachelor party and the women had the bachelor party, but they were separate. I actually 
split my time through the weekend and I went to both the bachelor party and did paintball and the bachelorette party and went out to the clubs. And it was kind of one of those funny, interesting things. So I feel really blessed that I've been allowed, granted um, access to this studio and to the community because not all of the communities are open to a guy coming in and training uh, in that environment. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, which I, again, I think speaks to your, you, you know, your emotional intelligence, your fitness as a human being, like, you know, physical, mental, emotional, like that between the years, fitness type of a thing, which is it, it's human fitness, uh, not just one expression of it, but to have that understanding of, of who you are can change. Yeah. Uh, and, and you can, you can entertain you can entertain different things, different expressions, different components of you. Uh, you know, I think it's people fight so hard to prevent change from happening uh, in, in in many ways, and you know, feel like they have to be this one thing, and then that is that form of self oppression when they perhaps don't allow themselves to naturally evolve with throughout the different seasons of life and. Um, yeah. you know, create that sort of dysregulation that occurs when they're fighting so hard against themselves. And that's kind of what we try to do is, you know, give people invitations to work with themselves and, you know, fitness and movements is a part of that. Yeah. I think what's interesting too, and this came up, I'm not sure if it was 1.0 or 2.0. You're talking about... And I asked you about it back then, and this was when I was just starting, Paul. It was the how the limbic system and balance affects emotional health. I don't know where it came up or when you brought it up, but it kind of clicked to me. I thought, huh, that's interesting because there's static and there's also spin, Paul. And when you're on spin, you have to, one, be really confident and solid in your static before you get on the pole when it starts spinning because you have you get dizzy it's disorientating you don't have right left up down you're just kind mm -hmm. of hurling your body around space and rotating at crazy speeds but i think that there is something to emotional health and spinning in the limbic system and they talk about that with child development too i think that why kids go on merry-go-rounds like to be on swings roller coaster rides like what makes us dizzy as adults doesn't do that to kids because they're developing yeah. and so i think that there's a component to that that i haven't quite been able to figure out but i think has resonance to my own development and coping and dealing with emotions yeah. And, you know, that's like, so there's the kind of limbic system, how, you know, structured in the brain, how we sort of, you know, perceive, perceive inputs, sensory inputs, and, and then pass them on to be formed as emotions. Um, and then there's the, the way that interfaces with the vestibular system, which is our, you know, balance, and then our, and then how that works with proprioception, so our ability to kind of you know, understand where we are in space and time. And when you have something like pole uh, and for the between years community, it was 
like literally just working on balance, standing on a balance beam. Um, I, you know, it could just be on a curb, on a step, whatever it might be. Pick your one foot up, close your eyes. Like when we look at that and when we break it down and we ask ourselves, well, what's happening? Well, we're generating signals within us that then get passed on to different parts of the brain and we can say, you know, okay, anxiety perhaps sometimes feels like when you're <laughs> when you're standing on a balance beam and you you know you don't know if you're gonna knee is buckling and you're gonna fall. Like there's this maybe there's this exposure to an impulse physically that creates a thought and a story. And we allow ourselves to come into the present and to and to dance with it. And I think that's the beauty of balance work. Um where Sure, the benefits of balance from a phys- from a physiological standpoint are probably something that nobody has to ever really contend with. Like your life is going to be okay most of the time, ninety nine point nine percent of the time, if like balance is a physiological weakness of yours, right? Like that's just you know unless you're walking on skyscrapers or in the circus, like there's really no need for. But what it can teach us and partnering with the body to do so is that in many ways balance and and this is something that I've talked with people about before but you hear it all the time people I just need more balance in my life my, I need more balance and it's like this this it's like this destination and I think we fundamentally misunderstand what true balance is which is a dynamic state of the present and we come into balance we don't arrive at balance when we're quote unquote balanced you don't you don't feel balanced you just take it for you kind of take it for granted it's by becoming unbalanced and instable that we come into the present we gain balance and we create stability and i think that's a big thing for for people especially now where i was having this conversation with a client this morning who you know work is returning life is sort of returning and that means more travel and that means more time away and that means you know more hotels and this and that and that's a that's what was in theory balance from covid of no travel now is becoming getting kicked out of balance by a reintroduction of what life was but at the same time life and covid and not traveling was out of balance from what it was beforehand. So this whole thing of balance being something we arrive at this destination, I think is like a carrot on the stick for folks. Balance is that dynamic state of the present where we're aware and we're connected with what's going on and what we can do. And, and, and it does sort of bring everything kind of into center and closer. Um, and when we, when we, when we do that, experientially over time and involve our body and feel it. I think that helps us deal with and at least conceptualize perhaps with some guidance how to manage when our lives may feel out of balance. That's the very invitation then to cultivate balance, not arrive at balance. Yeah. That's a really, I that snippet right there, is a good highlight. Like if I could highlight something to the podcast, that would be one I would highlight. You know, that's a really key, 
key element to not only between the ears, but allowing yourself to physically experience and allow that to translate to a deeper understanding of self. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it sounds when, when I heard you saying that bill, I was thinking about, and as it relates to that client, um, yeah, just the comparison, like there's so much of that, what happened, what's going to happen back and forth. Um, and, and, basing balance off of a comparison versus just what's happening right now. Yeah, you're right. And, and, and yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I don't know. I really paid too much attention to that, but yeah, spot on. And, 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 and okay. So there's, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. Most people have heard that. And the general advice is to not compare yourself, but we can't as human beings, not compare ourselves. That's not the way we've evolved and we've been when and we're built. We're we're not we we are automatically comparative by our very nature. It's like saying don't walk on your hand or don't walk on your legs, you know, like walk on all fours. It's like that's just not the way we do it. That's not the way we walk. And so I think there's that you know there's that element of okay, understanding that comparison is part of my natural way of experiencing life how much of my own like how can i control that how can i direct it how can i guide it i think that's really the essence of this work and of course there's no one sentence to say you know oh just do do it this way or do it that way um but yeah that comparison element as it relates to balance is uh yeah that's a great point so this was just on the timeline. That was 2018. Like, so you got started with 1.0 and, and your job loss after the games. Was that 2018? I think so, around 2018, um, which leads me to Between the Ears 2.0. And um, this is probably, I have my box of tissue here because talking about this is probably going to be the moment where like, I kind of break down. But uh, I had signed up for Between the Ears 2.0 in 2019, like when he just started to say, hey, January 2020 or February 2020, somewhere around there, you're going to start 2.0. I was like, oh, great. Like I did 1.0. I had some time between 1.0. I think I'll do 2.0. And so I signed up. And uh, between the time that I signed up for Between the Ears 2.0, And doing it, um, I lost my husband, uh, Joe, and uh, that happened in January of 2020, January 6th. And so um, the craziness of that time is it happened unexpectedly, and it happened over like two weeks. And... uh, It was from an infection that they couldn't get under control post-surgical infection. And I remember, you know, it's interesting me being on the West Coast and you guys being on the East Coast, just being able to call you when I couldn't sleep or was having insomnia. And I remember calling you and Bill when it was happening and just going, God, I can't believe this is happening. And like... 
just reaching out to you because like it might be two or three in the morning here, but you guys are just waking up on your end of the States. And uh, I just remember calling you guys through the whole process and um, really appreciating just being able to reach out. And even before then, uh, Bill was going to be out here for a strong fit seminar and he was going to, it was going to be in San Diego and he was going to stay here. And I remember him saying, Oh, you know what? If it's too much, I can stay in a hotel. I'm like, no, 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 you are not staying at a hotel. If anything, I'm really going to need you here. Um, but I mean, the 2.0 couldn't have come at like a better time because who knew the world was going to shut down and COVID was going to happen and that, I'd be by myself and having between the ears, like those weekly calls and just having a community that I could lean on and talk to and just like, just be myself with and connect with on a weekly basis was huge because, um, I had lost so much and so many people, not just between the ears, but CrossFit, the CrossFit community came through too. Like, even though, I didn't work for CrossFit anymore. Like everyone at CrossFit like reached out. They were very, very kind and supportive. I remember Bobby Millsaps was out here in San Diego for something. And she just came over to my house just to sit with me. She didn't have to say anything. She just wanted to sit. Um, You know, Matt O'Keefe from Loud Live, he was out here. And, you know, just, there's just so many people like, even though it was really difficult and painful, it's it's when you really see, like, talk about fields and flowers. It's like, that's when the flowers come out. Like, people who really give a shit about you, who really care, They it's like, it's not when things are happy, when shit hits a fan in life. And I think a lot of us who've lived life long enough to understand this know. It's like, you don't know who really gives a shit about you until Mm. shit hits the fan. That's Mm. when the most amazing people come out of the woodwork. That's when the most, um, you know, beautiful humanity expressions come out. And uh, between the years was a huge part of that. Like, I don't know, like over that time, just those weekly calls, checking in, going through 2.0 and processing everything with that group was probably like, again, something I will always be really grateful for. Um, What's amazing though, is I remember those calls and kind of to what Bill was saying earlier when we started the podcast. Um, I mean, we would finish and, you know, of course there were times where I think, you know, people obviously shared things that were supportive for you, but you showed up on those calls giving so much to people. Yeah. And that was like, here's someone who is suffering with their own grief and loss, and you still were there to give to other people, which was just, you know, that it, that's who, like, that is part of, I think, who you are. Yeah. Well, um, thank you. And that was just really an amazing, um, as, of course, it was the timing, Joe, and then the lockdown. Um, but I think there was something that was like a blessing having that group for a lot of people Absolutely. to kind of ground everybody. And in that group, I wasn't the only one who had lost someone close to 
No. Yeah. And and that person and myself have stayed in touch and supported each other during the anniversary times. And, you know, um, I think that, you know, one of the most powerful things and one of the biggest takeaways that I started sharing with you early on is, you know, at the point when Joe was in the hospital, he was intubated. And so he couldn't talk. And I just, you know, the only thing you can do to show love is you can hold their hand and look in their eyes and they can't say anything back to you. And I remember saying, oh my God, like, we're so verbal in our society that we don't take the time to like really show each other how we can say, I love you without saying it and express it in a way. Like if you couldn't talk to the person that you love the most and all you could do is look at them, look in their eyes or hold their hand. Like how do you confirm and say, Hey, I'm here and I love you. And you can't say anything back to me, but you know, you get a hand squeeze here and whatnot. And it's just like, um, I just think those are, you know, those moments where you never think you're going to be challenged to communicate that with the person you love the most. But I think it's really important, you know, and I think I shared that with some of the people on, on the call about how important it was to just to know and appreciate and share ways in which you show each other how you care and that you love each other. You know, um, I think one of them, the, yeah, yeah, go on, keep going. Well, and the mundane, I wrote about this on, on my, uh, on my Instagram that, you know, the mundane becomes monumental. And what I mean by that is you would never think that, you know, the chair that the person you love drank their coffee in or that the morning coffee that you share together it's so innocuous. You wake up, you turn on the coffee maker, you'd pour coffee, you sit and drink and whatever. And then all of a sudden that's gone. And you look at the coffee maker and you look at the coffee cup and you look at the chair and it's like something so ordinary suddenly becomes this big monumental thing. That's just hard to do. Um, but you do it, you know, you just, you get up and you make your coffee again and you sip your coffee and you sip it by yourself and you just kind of fucking move on. Like what else are you supposed to do? It's, it's really hard. And, you know, talk about who, like right now, that's who I am. Like in the moment, I'm telling you that's who I am. Like I'm sad, I'm crying and I'm alone and I miss my husband and, uh, if you can have coffee with your husband or wife or boyfriend, girlfriend, like it may seem like a stupid thing, but really take a moment to appreciate that you can do that. Um, because if you couldn't, you would really fucking notice it really fast, you know? Um, yeah. Thank you. You know, Tim, when we were, <clears throat> when I was out there with you, in January um, last year, obviously that was one of the, that was one of the, so that was 
that was about a week after I think I probably hit rock bottom and had a massive breakdown. Um, and I don't think I've ever really told anybody, but Kay obviously knows because she was in the car and I, I had been on this journey of trying to heal. And that's a, like, you know, kind of going into the cave of turn and then all of a sudden you're turning lights on uh, and, 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 you know, having just a rough few years. Uh, but about a week before going out, I hit, I would say rock bottom, uh, and, and had a huge, and had a complete breakdown and totally lost it. And, you know, you helped me heal when, and I kind of felt guilty about it in, in, in some ways, because obviously what you were going through with losing Joe and, you know, I, I felt I never, I unfortunately never met Joe, but I feel like spending that week out at your place, like I know Joe, I, f- I felt Joe and it, it was, you know, we've talked about this, but like honoring Joe's spirit, keeping that alive. Remember we, there was, we were at that restaurant. With the quote? No, it was um, when we got the barbecue, the Korean barbecue or the Hawaiian barbecue. Oh and yeah. There was, yeah. Remember that? I think it was like a bird or something. But anyway, one of the, the reason I'm bringing this up is because you, one of the ways you helped me was by introducing me to Imago Dialogue and by offering appreciations. Mm-hmm. And I was, and you were like, you know, if you one of the, you know, if you offer somebody an appreciation and fucking mean it, like that's the key, you know. And I, I yeah, I appreciate you. like anybody who's lived, who's lived in the South knows. I appreciate you. It's like, is that code for like, go fuck yourself? Because I think it might be. <laughs> is that like, bless his heart or bless her yeah, heart? Bless his yeah. heart. Yeah. 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 And, and you're like, uh, what? I don't, uh, what did you just do to me? But like capital A, like to truly appreciate and offer someone an appreciation and take the time to articulate your thoughts and gather your emotions and share that. And language is incredibly challenging verbal language is incredibly challenging to capture that internal emotional thing that love but we can still try and by offering appreciations and meaning them like it's there's so much healing in that and i remember being out there i think we we're talking about it in the hot tub actually and like yeah. we we're really you know having an awesome conversation and i was and i and i was like holy shit, how is Tim honestly doing it? And here we are, you know, awesome conversation and just, you know, life stuff and stuff. And and that, that was a monumental change for me. Less than one week before I was breaking down, crying, like unable to function. And, um, you know, that was, that was huge. And so when you speak about appreciating, morning coffee not to say that your story would ever be this but like you're not just paying fucking lip service to it like i have seen you i have seen you live that and you have helped me in so many ways by offering me that i would say appreciation 
is 100% a pillar of between the ears. And, you know, you, you know, if there's, if there's ever a between the ears building built and there's pillars, you know, it's going to be like, you're going to have a nameplate as, as far as the, as far as the, uh, the appreciation piece goes, because. But it's different than, and, and I think we talked about this recently, the difference of appreciation and gratitude and, and this is just like an interpretation, but the gratitude is often like after the fact. Do you know what I mean? Like versus appreciation being in the moment and like, like, and you've added presence and appreciation. Mm -hmm. So practicing like currently, what am I present and appreciating? Like right now, not okay. Today I'm going to write about what I was grateful for in the day. Cause you kind of missed it. Uh, Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, gratitude and the gratitude journal and the write down the things you're thankful for. I, I think it's like a great gateway drug. And I think that, and, and it is that, and we've done that in, in between the years, uh, fitness with every month, there's like, you know, a monthly journal topic. And, um, for, for one of the, one of the months I said, look at the end of your post-workout journal or at the end of your journal, draw a little smiley face and, you know, say, I I'm appreciative of, or I'm grateful for, or whatever. And, I, you know, I think that's the thing, like we can recognize, like I can say, I guess here's the difference. I can say, and I have said this, and I've looked at my previous gratitude journals where I was nose diving to, to, to fucking rock bottom. And I was able to write, I'm grateful for a coffee chat with Kay, but I was, but I don't know if I, how appreciative of it I was in the moment as well. And, you know, when it's not there, when it's at the risk of being removed, when it, when we, when we kind of connect to the impermanence and the fragility of these beautiful moments where we connect and share love, you know, that can be very, very overwhelming. So taking that, I rationally recognize I'm grateful. Like you're not, you don't truly appreciate a home until it's gone sometimes in, in, in yeah. some ways, you know what I mean? And like, but we can say, oh, I'm grateful for, I'm grateful for, you know, having a home and a place to live. And, the, and, and like, I think sometimes we rattle through them our gratitude and, and that could be my own thing or, or, or whatever. But I think it's just, you know, it just, I, I it, it was, it had such a profound impact on me that I wanted to highlight it and, you know, publicly also thank you for helping my own healing at a time where you were going through immediate loss and grieving of Joe. And that, you know, that's again, part to who are you? Like you're, that's, I don't know, Uh, you know, Tim Chan, who is Tim Chan? I don't know. I can't articulate that, but there's just this, feeling I have within me of like just a beacon of strength and someone who is by being who you are in this sort of non-defined language way, just a gift to anybody who gets to, you know, share this journey with you. Oh, thank you. Well, you're welcome. And I had no idea, but in a ways I think that makes it more powerful because I think that, being able to help and heal and do it in a way that's not 
you know, self-grandizing or anything. I think that's important in today's day and age. I feel like there's so much stuff being, it's like, I don't know. Maybe it's because I see too much social media vomit. I'm just like, oh God, this again. But uh, I really, first, you're, I'm really happy that I was able to help you in that, um, in that, in that situation. I think what's interesting, you know, I'm reflecting back on our conversation about Imago Dialogue, um, being in relationship, uh, what it was like to be married, all that kind of brings me to another component to uh, something I wanted to share with Between the Ears audience because um, I was talking to a friend of mine about about this and about this podcast. And in the discussion, I mentioned to her, I said, you know, it wasn't until 2015 that Joe and I could get married. She's like, really? She goes, God, that doesn't seem that. It was only six years ago. Go, yeah, up until six years ago, I couldn't get married. We couldn't get married, at least legally in the United States. And so we had this discussion about marriage and relationships and love. And I said, you know, I'm glad that it's different for the future generation. But for me and for Joe, we we were born and grew up in a world where we were told early on in our lives that we would never get married, that how we felt and who we were was either sick, wrong, repulsive, or a pejorative term used throughout our lives. And so I think that the energy and effort that we put into our relationship and when we got married and going to marriage counseling and really taking it as as meaningful and serious as possible is because it was never handed to us. We never had that and I think it's it's an interesting exercise for people to think about your relationship, your marriage, whatever it is. What if you couldn't get that? What if who how you felt about Kariana and how Kariana felt about you, there was a slang for it, a pejorative word that they would call your love or call your relationship that was negative. And so I think that the work and energy I put into not only learning how to communicate clearly with my partner and valuing and appreciating my partner. I think that because we grew up not having that and being told we couldn't have that when we found it and had each other, we held on to that and we're as, as appreciative of it as we possibly could, could be. Um, and so I think that, I think it's an interesting experience. And I think that what between the ears and 2.0 has done for me is giving me like this framework that who like you get all these different pieces of puzzle of who who and your identity and things that you experience but i think between the ears provides like a puzzle framework it gives you a place to start to fill in this picture and you get different pieces and you just get clarity and it's never the same. It's not like you put the puzzle together and then that's it. You always break it apart and put it together, but you have different pieces come in. And what I find between the years mindset, the movements, the exercises does is just frame it in a way that I can take these pieces and put them in and actually look at it, journal about it, get to know myself, see who I am, and then rip it up and throw it in a box and shake it up again with whatever life experiences come my way. Um, 
And uh, it's interesting because like, even though, and I'm going to bring this up too, and I know we're going on almost an hour, but you can cut and edit whatever. Um, The rogue cliffhanger challenge. I did that on a whim. Just thought, oh, you know, I've been doing pole. I bet my grip's pretty good. I'll just do this challenge. I signed up for it and I did it. And I didn't realize like I could hold on to a pull-up bar for three minutes and like 29 seconds or something. It was like 37th and whatnot. And I remember Kariana commenting about between the ears mindsets and what that could significantly be. And so I said, yeah. And we kind of direct message with or message each other on that little thread. And I decided to journal about it. And when I started to journal about that cliffhanger challenge, and it was only three minutes and 29 seconds, but that unlocked this huge thing about losing Joe. I'm in the middle of my journaling. I lost my shit so hard. I picked up the phone, actually called Kariana. And we had this discussion about like hanging on, letting go, being strong enough to hang on, hanging on as hard as humanly possible, but like not being strong enough or good enough to hang on. And it was really, it was powerful and painful and difficult, but also very valuable and and important to me to, to confront and deal with. But again, it's like taking that framework, the between the ears mindset or like ways of approaching something and applying it in this situation and really tapping in and pulling like mining for gold, getting those little nuggets out of your life experience and really being able to pull that out of the mud and the sand. Um, And I just, I really appreciate that. And I really appreciate you picking up and talking me through that because like sometimes there's some things that are beyond journaling, you know, Mm -hmm. but what's crazy is that the journaling and not to get into this because it could be a whole thing, but the reality is there is a physical why Bill recommends journaling and why it is such a big part of between the years is there's actually something physiologically happening there when you start to write. Um, and so for you, it wasn't until you started writing about it that it kind of, like you said, unlocked some of the stuff for you. And that's where I think sometimes the journaling, you know, it's a thing now, but just there's actual, there is actual um, validity in what that can do that there's nothing else that's quite like it. So that's, it was really amazing that that's when it came up for you. Yeah. And, and it kind of like leads me into wondering if there's going to be a between the years 3.0, because I feel like what I like about the 1.0 2.0 is it between these, between the ears, virtual uh, stints, and I wrote about this. I feel like I think life is meant to be lived. And I think that for me, I tended to be over analytical growing up. And I went to lots of therapy. I went to all this stuff. And it's like, sometimes I think it's good to just sort of like live your life and not overanalyze because I feel like that process of overanalyzing yourself and not allowing yourself just to experience life and live is like, an overprocessed pack of cheese. It's like that Velveeta slice that's shrink wrap, perfectly square, 
hermetically sealed within another wrap and it's so processed that you're like is this even fucking cheese like what is this so i feel like giving yourself time at least for me giving myself time between 1.0 2.0 hopefully a 3.0 or whatever maybe even just reaching out and saying hey give me a couple things to do um allows me that chance to gather puzzle pieces to throw in the box to see hey what kind of picture is going to come out and that you know, not over-processing and over-analyzing myself has helped me be a little more organic and be more like that beautiful whole foods piece of cheese that you see that's been, you know, on a shelf, allowed to be, you know, not processed, but to evolve and grow into this really tasty thing that's real. And I think that there's something to be said for that, that I think um, taking the things that we learn in them, it's, it's, it has to be more than just doing the mindset, learning between the ears. You have to like live your life and you apply them. Yeah. Apply it. And, and I think that's where a lot of people get that's sort of to, to what you started with talking about the why and the who. And so in that, in that, um, what, what's it called? Diagram? No, like that. The model. A model. In the model, the, the, the next step out from the why is the what. And so I think that's where people can get kind of tripped up in like doing all the what's. I'm doing the journaling. I'm doing the this. I'm doing the cold plunge. I'm doing the that. But if you're not really like allowing it to be that organic expression to, to kind of what you're saying or apply it or shake the puzzle pieces up and put them back together to see what, you know, the picture it makes, then you're sort of missing the whole point. So. Yeah. I mean, you're becoming that piece of Velveeta cheese. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's where, that's where I personally have a really hard time with defining this thing. Describe like, I just don't know, you know, and I'm working on it and different people. Um, But there's nothing more real than, than connecting with your experience of living. Yeah. And that's that's what's unique to each person. And that's unique to each and every person. You know, I had uh, uh, Omar, Tim, you know, Omar. Yeah. Yeah. He, we, we were talking this week and he was sharing that through the work that he's been doing through Between the Ears, but he's been doing it. Between the Ears kind of was the invitation, the invitation to the party that you love. Mm-hmm. It, it's the party that you love, not the fucking invitation. And so Between the Ears is kind of the invitation to the party, but then you then, are, like it's the party that matters, not necessarily the invitation. Anyway. He was saying that doing this, doing this work, and he's reconnected with the passion of his, which is learning. And you know, and 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 I wrote back to him like, one, that's awesome. But like, you did the work. Like, that's you doing the work. That's not between the ears saying, "All right, now you're going to go learn." Like, no, 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 no. That's not. You know what I mean? Like, that's not how. This isn't a set of orders that you follow. But that's that's then embodying really the essence of it, which is that, you know, is that curiosity, is that vulnerability, is that presence, is that appreciation, is that getting 
that recognition of getting out of balance is that awareness is that expression of who we are not just like what we do or or anything like that and um you know i think that's the part of that's the part of this entire that's it i think that's the that's the part of this entire brand and that's where people like you who represent it and embody it and 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 can say look things do change i do change moment to moment i'm different like the essence of who i am sure that's going to kind of every different experience is going to provide an opportunity to to highlight a different component of me but we are so diverse and uh you know kind of dynamic beings and creatures that on one hand can you know be all about loves and high fives and on the other hand can just be like you know just a, a, the other side of that the predator side of that in, in 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 different in different ways and so you know to hear that you use these experiences as it's like hands on a clock if you're looking at the center if you're looking if you're looking at uh from the center out, you see, you, you know, you can rotate around and you can see every 360 degrees, every hand on the clock. But if you are just at one o'clock, that's all you see going into the center. And that's that exter- internal, external, and then external, internal type of approach. And you know, we want to be able to have from within and from the internal express who we are. And that's, that's where, that's, that's why it's on the inside. I think that the reason, at least hearing you talk about how difficult it is to explain what is between the ears and why is it so hard to to articulate it. And I think for me, it's between the ears brings you to the truth. And whether or not you're ready to handle who the, the truth of who you are is going to be determined on how you know, the work that you do in this, but because you can't describe it, because you can't say this is what it is, that it's unique to each and every one of you, that it's about, you know, really confronting your truth. It's like a very archetypical moment, like when um, you confront your dark self or when in Star Wars, um, Luke walks into the cave and confronts Darth Vader and cuts his head off and finds himself. It's like, it's a very long-standing allegory in life. And I think that between the ears is a tool that allows you to really delve into your who and your truth. But because that is going to be different for every single one of you, um, you can't clearly articulate what it is going to be for that person. But yeah. if that person does the work and that person goes in and dives into it and is willing and strong enough to handle the truth of who they are and accept it and appreciate it, then that's like the golden, that's the golden point, you mm-hmm. know, but yeah. um, it's not for everyone and that's okay. Because it's like a lot of people don't want to look at themselves. A lot of people don't really want to know who they are because they can't accept it or they're afraid of it. Or they're not ready at this moment, you know, for different people. It's just different times. And that's interesting. And and I mean, and and that's, I can understand that 
because I was that in, in, in different ways too. And there's, there's sometimes like, that's a defense too. That's a defense that is a protective survival mechanism that at some points in time. Yeah. You shut down, you shut down because you have to, cause you have to survive. And I think that's something that people, uh, you know, I think that's something that I always want to be understanding while being fir- like a firm, but delicate hand. And I think that's the part where it's not lost on me how hard it is to stare at yourself and see all of perhaps the flaws, the shortcomings, the regrets, like, right. What's, what's harder than that? What's harder than confronting your own demons? I, I, I don't know. I haven't found a more worthy adversary or, or, or it's just funny that you worded it as truth, Tim, because recently and i wouldn't say it's a you know we have our ups and downs and that's sort of i think one of the things i've learned to accept is it's not just this constant you know getting better and better and better i mean maybe in the macro view but you have those moments where you sort of feel like man like i kind of regressed and in one of those recent times bill really invited me to like be really honest with myself like the truth that like only I know and I don't think I would have said I wasn't being honest with myself or I was being manipulative or but that's even with all the work that I've done and being super familiar with between the years like it is like you said that ultimate being able to be raw and honest and strip down and like look at the, the truth and you don't have to share that with anybody Um, but to your point, like there's some people just aren't ready to do that. And, and then that shut down the danger though, in the shutdown. And we talked about this obviously as it relates to this last year in COVID, I think once you shut it down, it can be challenging to bring that back online. You know what I mean? Like that switch sometimes for a lot of people, I think just breaks in the off mode. Um, so yeah, for anybody that's you know, that first step to just like, okay, let me, but you know, it's funny because a lot of people want to know like, well, what is it? Well, what's the detail? What's the, and really a lot of that, and I'm guilty of it myself with other things, but is just like figuring it out because it is so vulnerable. It's like, yeah, you just have to do it. Um, yeah. But yeah. So obviously you covered what's next. You, you're so funny, Tim, because Tim provided us this amazing, thoughtful outline, no pressure to any future guests or anything, but it was like, just so, so you, um, but you kind of already hit the, like sort of the conclusion, like what's next? Will there be a 3.0? We talked about, you know, living life and um, even the, you know, you had a quote in here, which I thought was really poignant. Like what is grief if not love um, persevering? And yeah, that actually the, comes from WandaVision, that Marvel Disney show. And it was such a left field surprise, but it, it resonated with me and a lot of people actually, because ultimately people thought WandaVision was going to be like this big super, and it is sort of superhero Marvel cinematic universe component. But the component is actually about that character's grief, her loss 
And what happens when she exerts her power trying to cope with that grief and loss and the consequences of it. And it's really worth watching. Like anybody who has Disney Plus, like definitely watch WandaVision because it 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 it's such a interesting way that they present it and its device. And if you follow along, it it moves slowly, but like if you have the attention and perseverance to take those steps with it, it it's such a rewarding show to watch. Mm-hmm. WandaVision on Disney Plus. So we've promoted WandaVision and we've definitely knocked out Velveeta on this podcast. <laughs> I gotta tell you though. Okay, fine. But I gotta tell you. You know the cheese in a can? I was just thinking when when oh, when Tim was describing it. this, I'm like, you know, you know Tim and, and many of our listeners that Bill is not he has many talents. Olivia, the other day we said that you our daughter, we're like, Oh yeah, Tim's gonna be on the podcast. She goes, Oh yeah. Remember when you broke his um instant you, pot you broke his instant pot? And <laughs> Bill's fixed. like it still yes, works. <laughs> I do, but why do you remember that? Like you're not letting him live anything down. So he's not a culinary whiz. Um and he does like canned cheese, which will never, never appear in my home. Although um, when I was at the CrossFit thing last year, the last sort of CrossFit event I was at, whatever. it was during the Super Bowl. And Bill and the kids went shopping and they made like, you know, snacks. Well, Marcus really made the wings and stuff. Okay. You helped. Whatever. But Bill insisted on getting this like cheese in a jar, like this like liquid cheese queso. and Marcus who's like, who is like 15 or 16 is just like, how dare you? Like, this is such like sacrilege. And then he ate it. And then he looked at me and I'm like, I fucking see you. Right. You were judging me before. Now look, now look who's dipping that nacho <laughs> in the cheese. But Can't we love you cheese. for other reasons. Can't it's make okay. pasta, but everybody, you can't be great at everything. That's okay. okay. I think that cheese in a can, those little, dip things that's different from the cheese that's wrapped in the little yeah 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 Yeah, i agree i agree that cheese is gross well on that serious note about cheese on that serious note and i think i'm gonna um so one of the man that dinner we had where um oh that was stacy yeah yeah that was so Fun. It was like three hours and the topic. And that's sort of weird because like I had to confront that because it's like, okay, what if you had 20 minutes and you're going to do a TED Talk? Yes. What's your TED Talk? What are you saying? What is the most important thing you want an audience to hear? It's like, oh my God. I know. And we all run around the table trying to do that. And we just, three hours later, we still yeah. had so much eat. for the 20 minutes. That I was know. so fun. That was that was genuinely fun. It was awesome. You know, that was cool. Tim has multiple achievements under his belt with you. Fun isn't you know easy to get, Bill. Well, I I do want to share this because I think this also was just such a amazing story, kind of um, gift. So you had bought. We had had the joke about Bill at the time. The podcast was that Bill isn't. People don't describe Bill as like this fun-loving, fun guy. And you don't describe yourself that way. You struggle with fun. How do they? How, how, I don't... Anyway, so fun isn't really as much of a thing for Bill. So you had purchased the skydiving... Well, no, 
you wanted to take Bill, I was maybe going to come out and we had talked about like doing something fun with Bill. Um, and I guess you had bought Joe. Hadn't yeah, you the bought skydiving. Joe, yeah. The skydiving, the tunnel thing. And you gave that to Bill. Um, and you guys went, right? When he yeah. was out there. Yeah. And, um, and had fun. And like, that was just like, I guess not to like end on this note, but that I just think is such a reflection of like someone else might not have wanted to do that. Or that was, you bought that for Joe, but it was almost like honoring Joe and honoring your love for him and gratitude and all the things we've talked about and, and giving to another human to, to have fun and have an experience. Um, that was just, that was really amazing. So, yeah, thank you. I miss you guys. I miss seeing you at events and being able to like just hang, but this has been really awesome. And I really am honored and appreciate that uh, you wanted to have me on your podcast. I've been listening to it for a while. So it's kind of strange to listen to something and then be on it. It's like, Oh, whoa, me really? Are you going to listen to this one now? When we I don't know. It? I don't know it's if I can handle some, listening yeah. to it. It's really raw. I don't know if yeah. I want to hear myself cry. <laughs> That's what that little fast forward 30 seconds is for. Um, no, you can, I mean, you can edit it however you guys want. And no editing. No, 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 no editing. No. I you just, uh, there will be no editing. But yeah, we're super, when we started talking about guests, this was like, okay, well, Tim, obviously. Yeah. So we appreciate your honesty, your vulnerability, like not having anything off the table. And I know that'll be, you asked like what's valuable for the listeners and like that, all of that is valuable. So well, I hope they get you. something of value. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Tim, until next time, my friend, thanks again for everything. Thank you guys. Take care. How do we do this log?